And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So one, two, three, that's how many different companies I've started. And that makes me at least a second, now a third time founder. But the real question is, is is it easier to do something big, innovative, or awesome when you've maybe done it before? Or do you have to live up to weird expectations? Or I don't know. That's what we're going to talk about during today's episode of Startup Hustle. Before I introduce today's guest, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. They've also got the platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. I said we, if you're not aware, Fullscale.io, that's my company, and we love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. So reach out. It only takes like two minutes to fill out the Hire Developers form. See if we can figure out some solutions together. With me today, I have the CEO and co-founder of another one of Kansas City's top startups. That's what we've been highlighting this week. Really excited to continue to highlight my hometown and talk to more innovating people. And in this case, someone who has done it once before as well. With me today, I have Phil Reynolds, the CEO and co-founder of DevStride. You can go to devstride.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. In fact, why don't you go ahead and scroll down and click that now and take a look at what they do. So while you listen to today's episode, you got a little more perspective. Speaking of perspective, let's hear a little bit more from Phil. Phil, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks so much for having me on, and I really appreciate you showcasing DevStride uh, on the list. It's it's an honor, and we really appreciate it. So, yeah, thank, well, thanks. Well deserved, and and you are you are an accomplished founder, and that's part of where our title for today's episode came from. So, why don't we just go <laughs> ahead and get into a little bit more about your backstory? Yeah, sure. So, um, let's see here. Backing up, uh, right out of college, I was a musician actually, and a totally separate background from tech. Hadn't spent a lot of time there, uh, but got a degree in electronic arts and digital media production, which turned out to be really valuable for the rest of my career because I spent a lot of time presenting things to people and trying to, you know, portray my business in a professional light. A lot of things you do here. Um, so yeah, I did that for a few years and then realized that uh, being in the arts and in music is is kind of like being homeless. <laughs> it's, it's very I'm, similar. I'm laughing quietly <laughs> behind the mic because I get it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, you know, like, like closing out like four, my fourth year consecutive of every Saturday night, like shutting down a bar with a guitar. I was like, you know, I should probably do something better with my time. And um, so I decided to get into software, taught myself to code and uh, started a company with my cousin at the time, uh, Chris Reynolds, uh, called Brightcore. And uh, at the time it was called Intuitive Web Solutions. And we were just sort of like all entrepreneurs just trying to figure it out at first, doing projects here and there, landed a whole long, complicated story I won't go into where we landed um, an opportunity to do a web-based quoting system for um, an insurance uh, company. 
And that went well. And it went well enough that their friends started calling us and we started uh, investing in the insurance space and did really well with these quoting systems for a while. And that scaled up until eventually all of our customers asked us to replace their core ERP system. And that's where Brightcore was born. And so my first company was really uh, founded and launched from, from this like overwhelming market demand in this niche in insurance. Uh, from there, that company uh, really scaled up rapidly. And we ended up um, in a situation where we uh, went from, you know, just the two of us um, up to uh, just short of 400 employees and a pretty good sized company. I uh, did a series A, series B, had 80 enterprise customers, 43 product teams. It was big and it did a lot. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I made more mistakes than I cared to count. <laughs> and, and as does everyone, of course. But, uh, but, but definitely a lot of battle scars and a lot of lessons learned. And um, one of the things that I learned in that process was after you bring in a, a Series B sort of private equity capital partner, the nature of your business changes oh, yeah. um, quite a bit. And, and if you're the, got the, the startup entrepreneur DNA, um, at, there comes a point in time where, where the scaling mechanics of the business and, and what's necessary to run the business isn't as fun to you anymore. And so uh, I, I exited the company, spent a little bit of time off. I went and lived at a beach in Costa Rica for a bit, and it was a lot of fun. And then got to thinking, you know, if it's in your blood, if you're born a startup entrepreneur, you just can't help it. And I just like every night, I would dream about things I could do. And it it so, doesn't wash off. No, it doesn't yeah. at all. It's, it's like, like, it's like a disease. I don't know. It's, it's a disease. Is the best I mean, way there, I can that's it. probably a fair way to put it, honestly, because it does feel that way. Yeah. You're like, why? Yeah. Why was I made this way? I yes. should be able to relax and stay on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally you'll be like, like seven nights into three nights, <laughs> you know, three hours of sleep a night and your, and your oh, brain won't God. stop spinning on some stupid problem that you need. But, but yeah. if it's in your blood, it's in your blood. But, well, by the way, I don't want on that so do you have sleepless problems oh yeah i mean like yeah. i'm like has very well known in the organization like i sometimes i don't want to be that way man. No, it's like i would prefer to be a little more <laughs> peaceful in my mind same and so people are like what's that like to like have all these ideas and energy i'm like okay so if you put a bunch of bottle caps and a blender and turn it on high that's what it sounds like Yes, yes. Yeah. I tell people all the time, it's a little bit like, like imagine like, like people running by in your head with sparklers all the time. Yeah, sparkle, yeah. Sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. Well, <laughs> like the kind of the firecrackers. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. But, 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 it, but here's the thing. If so you're you, feeling restless. Yeah, I'm feeling but, restless. Well, well, wait, you exited that company and then went to the beach. And- yeah, so actually, so it's an interesting story. I, um, I you know, make a lot of mistakes. One of the things I tend to do well is I tend to be pretty strategic about the decisions that I make um, as an executive leader. And so before we ever decided to raise capital in a series A or a series B, we decided that um, we really wanted to make sure we did secondary in each of those rounds. And that's advice I would give any founder. If you're doing a structured formal round, um, always structure secondary capital into it. Because every time there's a change of control in your company, the nature of the business is going to change. The nature of your job is going to change. So you should take some chips off the table so you have a backup plan. And, um, and so we, so we, we should that. describe that a little bit more yeah. and, and people will refer to that a bunch of different ways. Sometimes they'll say clawing a little back, but yeah. if you're, 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 as you move forward in these rounds and, and you kind of selling a little bit of your control out yeah. of the way you do, as a founder, it's advisable to not just be in this. Well, part of where people get stressed for startups is because the founder life where you don't get paid shit. Oh, yeah. And you don't have any money and like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that gets old in a hurry. 
It really does. And, and the thing is, is people are like, dude, your company's worth a gazillion dollars. And you're like, that's amazing. Cause I've got like $13,000, <laughs> you know, and yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. but, but part of it it's is monopoly like, money, <laughs> but it gets harder to take that money out when other people have to make the decision about it. Yep. And, and so part of that is when other people have a, a con, some kind of control or something to say about your path, you might, I mean, who knows where that's going to go. So take care of yourself, take care yep. of your family. If you've built something that's bigger than you, it'll probably end up being okay in the end, but that's yeah. okay to do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I like advice I would give to anybody whose business is succeeding and scaling is, um, especially if you're the founder, especially you ought to be having talks with capital partners on a regular basis. If, yeah. there's, if you're ever planning to raise, now, there, there, there's lifestyle I think businesses. You should, and, even if you aren't. Yeah. Oh yeah. Agree. You learn not? a lot. Why right. not? Because a lot of those people are really sophisticated and will give you good input about your own business. Yeah, I agree with that yeah. a lot. I agree with that yeah. a lot. So I always built it into my in my calendar. So um, at, at again, I'll get to DevShot in just a second. Well, but, I was going to say we're kind of, we've kind yeah, of, yeah. We're, we're just in the conversation. No, no, it's great. It's yeah. great. It's, it's happening, people. It's, it's happening. Yeah, well, I think the, the history really leads up to, to why I'm doing what I'm doing now at DevStripe because I think DevStripe is a fascinating opportunity in the world. Um, I'll get to that in a second. Um, the the thing that I that I learned from running a really large scaling software team. Um, so again, uh, company grew quite large, 43 product teams, 88 enterprise customers. And every one of those product teams has a roadmap that they're trying to manage, right? That capabilities are trying to deliver to market, you know, release over release. And we're doing that in service of all these enterprise customers. We're bringing on, you know, five to 10 enterprise customers in a year, big implementations, multi-year implementations. And as we're doing that, um, you can imagine the complexity of those roadmaps and of all the dependencies that follow all of that. And so ultimately, what, what really exhausted me about my last company was trying to keep the sparklers in the head problem, I can't let go of the details. So I no. know what every product team's working on and what every customer has asked for. I've got thousands of details in my head. But you can't be the conduit for all of it. No, of course it, it not. burns yeah. you out. Like, yeah. a, like a, it's a circuit board with too much shit flowing through it. Absolutely. And, and it really will. It's going to burn out the circuits. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I you're constrained. Yeah, well, you're well, constrained well, in the organization. A lot of times as founders, we want to, you talk about, okay, being a second time founder, and, you know, like, what do you learn down the road? Well, first off, like I did the conduit thing. It's very easy because you're trying to do so many different things as a founder, so many different ways. Some of them you're like, you're like sitting on the toilet watching a YouTube video, trying to figure out something you need to do in 15 minutes and, and sound credible while you're given the, 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 the details of it. Yep. And you're like, oh my God. And that's yep. really like the, a real, and maybe a little too realistic of a picture, but it's true. Yeah. And you're, and, and what happens is by nature is cause you don't have the people or sometimes the, the path or the, or a moment to feel like you can rest is that you position yourself to do too many things. And then unfortunately what you run into as an organization that's too dependent on you being the conduit. And, and, and that's, and that's a really, that is a path for what's well, not the right. It's not, I, I'd say that's something I've really learned over time is to try to get away from that. And, and that for me is almost as frustrating as doing it all myself, but eventually you have to grow up. You mentioned 400 employees. We have 300 at full scale, which, you know, the funny thing is, is the uh, United States government says that's still a small business. Hilarious. Anything under 500 people. <laughs> Tell me, does, does, a it, small does it feel business. small like, to you to run it? No. <laughs> so, oh my God. I talk to people all the time. They're like, yeah. what? 
Yeah. That's, that's a huge company. Well, apparently it's not. Apparently right. that is a small business. Right. There's nothing small about that. No, no I mean, it's so much when, Honestly, when you get past about 20 people, it's yeah. a lot. Yeah, really, almost every time the, the staff, you know, does something like, a, like doubling, um, the, the whole nature of how you manage the business changes. Mm-hmm. It has to. And to your point, um, you know, building systems that don't depend on you as an exceptional outperforming founder yep. is, is hard. Yep. It's hard. Um, so I, I was always frustrated by the amount of dependency that would end up back on either me or a couple of other key performers. And, um, we tried to use every project management suite there was, we used Jira, which I imagine most people listening to this uh, podcast use Jira on yeah, really cool. yeah. Monday, ClickUp, Asana, there's, you know, there's a bunch of them. Uh, what drove me crazy about every one of them? is that if you're thinking in terms of one individual project and you go into one project, look at the team on that one project, the goals of that one project, those systems work. They're awesome. But the moment you're responsible for execution and planning and strategy and performance across a bunch of projects at once, and especially if all those projects have to coordinate, like in my case, it was like 43 product teams implementing for one big enterprise customer. Those tools fall over and you find yourself doing a thousand manual things, putting out fires everywhere. And it's just awful. So when I retired from Brightcore for a second, went and lived on the beach and couldn't stop thinking all the time, all I could think about was how impossible and how intractable that problem had been for the last 20 years of my life. And it drove me nuts. I mean, I was laid awake at night. I started drawing, you know, screen designs and data flow diagrams and all this stuff. My wife was finally like, we well, should probably do something about this. She probably <laughs> wanted to get you out of her yeah. hair, man. Yeah. I, I wonder, that's a two-edged sword. It's like, my wife's like the same way. It's like, you need something to keep you busy. And then it's like, hey, you know, we're over here now. You know, it's like, I don't know. That's- well, so it, I'll give you a detail on my wife too in a second. So actually, so we work together and always in half for the last... 12 years we've worked together. So she was uh, my CMO at Brightcore, CMO again at DevStride. But we have a very different approach to work. And uh, I, I tend to be more the uh, sparklers in the head, a million ideas, just run at the thing. I'm running around like, why is this broken? You know. And she's this very, she's this amazing um, operations person. She's very methodical, very process oriented. And, and the two of us together Actually, yeah. make a good, a good team. But my wife worked at, at the business that I wrote about in Million Dollar Bedroom, and yeah. she was basically our coordinator manager. Yeah. Like she's just got a level of she needs someone to, to detail to and organization. <laughs> and, yo, God, I'm pointing then, at him across the, the desk. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. it's true. Yeah. But it's it's and that's tough to do. I mean, on a lot of ways. And you know, I I did mention in that same book. I actually recommend that you don't work with your family and friends, if you plan on keeping them as your friends, <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, yeah. like, it's, but it's tough. And I've had so many people say to me, I'm sure you got this, you've heard of yes. they're like, they're like, how do you work with your wife? We would kill each other. Okay. Well then don't work with your husband or your wife. Yeah. yeah. Like it's yeah. that simple. If that's the case, then don't do it. Yeah. And, well, and, and it's hard, e- even if you like, we're very practiced at it. And even then it's hard yeah. because I think one of the things that's really difficult is if you're an entrepreneur, every, everybody who's listening to this podcast and is an entrepreneur, yeah. you know, you never sleep. You never stop thinking about your business. You never stop thinking about whatever core problems you're trying to solve. Sounds but, like a great thing to sign up for, right? People? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And also, by the way, you turn monopoly money for a very long time. You basically <laughs> just described what I think you would describe a crazy person. Yeah. yeah more or less. More or less. I mean, yeah. but yeah, but entrepreneurism it's true. Is, is a form of, of insanity, right? So, uh, well, hopefully not. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I actually you haven't went believed. crazier when you weren't doing entrepreneur I, I stuff. That's true. And I actually haven't I mean, believed. You, are you, you a, did though? You did, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't. Like I yeah. said, it's just part of my DNA. Yeah. Have you ever read the book The Rational Optimist before? I've not. It's a really good book. Um, it, it's all about. Um, it's on the the Gates uh, reading list uh, a few years ago, and uh, I picked it up and read. It's great, and it was um, all about how entrepreneurial activity and, and, and sort of the general drive toward a capitalist ideal, which of course there's a lot of problems with capitalism too, that we could go on and on about, but generally that has produced the greatest amount of overall enduring good in the world. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm, I, 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 I just talk about, this. I just uh, did yeah. an episode and I don't like to discuss dates cause this is going to come out a month after we recorded, but I yeah. had a professor from Princeton on that was a professor. Was in Oxford. Yeah. Well, so yeah. you heard him talking about that, but like, man, like, so there's a uh, professor, Derek Lito's titled the history of entrepreneurship. And I mean, he really made a, a remarkably compelling case for the fact that capitalism has propelled oh, yes. the most meaningful and innovative yeah. and important changes in the history of the world. It, it's the tide lifting yeah. all the boats. Look, I have goosebumps yeah. talking about yeah. it. Really really thing. Yeah, yeah. Really I mean, that's like, Okay. And if you got goosebumps thinking about that, you're probably good to be an entrepreneur. If you right. didn't, maybe yeah. don't. So in a minute, I'll circle back around to some of the, if you remind me, I'll circle back around to some of the really cool personal stories I have on that front. Um, is it, is it, it, I agree. It really is that way. Um, so I, I by, to, by the way, The Rational Optimist, How Prosperity Evolves is a book by Matt Ridley. Yes, it Just, is. Yeah. And it really is excellent. I would highly recommend it. Um, okay. So Sitting beach, Costa Rica, drawing a thousand um, you know, screen flows and everything. A couple of engineers that had worked with me at um, at Brightcore had been thinking about the same problem for a long time. Um, and some of my good friends, some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And um, and so a group of us just kind of put our heads together and started thinking about how you could reimagine um, thinking about work and work management and and sequencing you know work in the kind of software teams we had spent our lives working in. And we, we went out and we started writing code and not too long afterwards, um, again, because I did secondary capital, the series, a series B had cash in the bank. I was able to do an angel round for the company funded the first, um, 18 months of operations. And, uh, my wife and I just kind of worked the company for free as most founders do help, you know, cover expenses for our other two founders. We got all the way to a, to sort of a, an initial go to market offering very early, but initial go to market offering. And then about six months ago, I set out to start raising a pre-seed round. Which went well. Which went well. Yeah, it went well. Um, and, and many, many thanks to Flyover Capital here yeah. in Kansas City. Um, they led our round. Um, and then uh, a group of privates and, and strategics and people that I know in the world um, followed on as well. And uh, yes, we were able to pull together $3.3 million on a pre-seed round. And that was great. And so that funded um, some initial scale-up activities early go to market, which is right where we are now. That all closed just a few months ago. And uh, so, yeah, so now I'm, I'm back in the, in the seat of- <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. Uh, congratulations, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah, thank you. Because both are a very yes. fair response to that. Now, Yes, celebration want, and I, condolences. I want to pause for a second. <laughs> First off, I, wanted to, I got something that I, I think all of you listen, especially in smaller markets- need to hear. Now, before I do that, a quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. And that's because finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult. Look, you can come to our platform. It takes like two minutes to define your needs and it will match you up with 
highly vetted, experienced people that are going to help you solve problems and work only for you. It's that simple. Just go to fullscale.io. Now, the, the, the thing that I want to bring up here, okay, pre-seed round, $3.3 million, and you did it in Kansas City. Yeah. Okay, so Kansas City, much like, okay, so there's only like eight to 10 huge markets, and then the rest of us are kind of like from Kansas City. Right. We're from some mid market yeah. that probably has Indy a, or well, it has like the Kansas City Royals that are good like every 30 years. We get the Chiefs. We're spoiled with the Chiefs. Yeah, we are. We're we totally are. spoiled we with are. the Chiefs. But, we are. but with that, you know, you're complaining that you can't raise money in your town. There's no pre-seed capital, blah, blah, blah. It's not true. No, it's not it's true. It's not true. You gotta create something that has value. You gotta have a plan with it. Now, with that. I think it's probably fair to say that it was probably easier as a second time founder. Uh, most certainly. So, so my previous seed capital partners all had a 26 X exit opportunity in my series B that, that helps. Right. <laughs> so, so in fairness to my comment, yes, that helps. But the thing that, that founders and entrepreneurs make a mistake of is, is okay. The product and the company's great, but those people are investing in you, Phil. Right. Because you you and your team. Oh, yeah. And these are proven people that have proven results. And you need to get out. You need to understand that, people, that especially in the pre-seed round, they're betting on the jockey, not the horse. So you got to sell you, yeah. your team, your expertise, whatever it is, your passion, your vision, and make it a big vision because you're not going to get a huge amount of cash or anything. If you're like, well, I'm thinking about I need like 50 grand to build my MVP. Fuck it. I need $3.3 million because right. this is it. We're going to go crush it. it and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Right. But can you validate that you're, you got a lot more investor attention because you had a bigger vision? Yeah. So I actually, I can talk about that a lot. Um, one of the things that I've tried to do since I landed in Kansas city is I've tried to be helpful to other founders in town. Thank you. And yeah. 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 And thanks to you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. You're doing yeah. more than anybody here. Yeah. Um, and I really, really um, have enjoyed that. And and to your point, um, there is a founder. I won't talk about the company necessarily. Cause I'm not sure if he wants me to share it all publicly, but uh, he was struggling to raise uh, money. And uh, I went and visited with him. And I did not go out and do the pitch for him. I didn't raise for him. I just sat down and I looked at his pitch deck and I, and I had him talk to me for, you know, give me the pitch. And at the end, I was like, this is, this is shit. This is terrible. Like you're doing this all wrong. And so, so it sounds like just, something I'd say to someone <laughs> and I do it in a lot. I do it cause I love you. Not cause yeah, I same. You. Yeah. Well, well I, it worked out. So you, you so, don't get that enough with people though, man. Like no, sometimes man. you get it. Look, if it sucks, tell someone the last thing I want to hear on you a sales do it demo. Constructively. Yes. But still the last yeah. thing I want to hear on a sales demo, the last thing I want to hear on pitch feedback is great job. That's the last thing because what do I do with great job? Yeah. All I do the great job is okay. Do what I did last time. That doesn't tell me anything. Yeah. I want you to. I don't care if it, if it's huge, if it's microscopic. Drill in on where I effed up in this because I want to get better. Every second of my life, I want to get better at what I'm doing, and then that, that's how over time you know you, you gain those advantages. So my friend, um, wait, wait can I have can I have a couple glasses about what the, the I bet all right. <laughs> there's I want you to real quick think about three things that sucked. And I'm going to okay. take a couple guesses and you can tell me if I get one of them. These are top three things that sucked. Okay. It was too long. Absolutely too long. Okay. And, and, and in the wrong places. Right. Right. Okay. It, if when talking about what the business did, it talked all about the features and maybe not the benefits of what it did for the people. 
all product and feature, all capabilities. Am I two about for two? Who, yep. Okay. Course. And third, it did a really poor job of explaining to the investor how they were going to either get their money back or benefit. Totally missing. Yeah. No, no, no. It, 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 it's, there's was so I, many. Did I get them? You nailed it. Was that the <laughs> of three course, of course. You've seen these before too, right? You've Dude, seen the, no, you've seen the there's decks. nothing supernatural <laughs> about that. That's the problem with everyone's pitch yeah. deck or pitch. We all fall in love with our yeah. idea and we think our idea is the thing that matters. Yeah. And I've heard you say this before on the podcast here, so I know you think this. Um, there is a, I couldn't agree more. Was I really three for three? Yeah. Was there something else? No, you really were three I felt like three. that was, that's no, almost that's, it every that's three time. For three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it every time. Um, it's people talking about their idea and talking about and being so focused on what, what they're going to go do. They forget, they don't forget the people who are handing you money. So, sorry, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. After I um, exited my position at Brightcore, I had quite a bit of money and I turned around and became an LP in a bunch of funds. So one of the things that I can appreciate about going to raise money is I am frequently the person on the other side of the table yeah. investing in startups. Yep. Done it. Yeah. So Done. I know what it feels like to be in yeah. that chair. And I know my job in that pitch is to convince this person that this is the right use of their funds where they're going to get the greatest maximum return. That is all they care about. Yeah. They don't give a shit about your idea. They don't give a shit about the company that you're, I mean, they do, but, but, but really what they're there to do is they're there to deliver returns in their fund yeah. or for their own personal portfolio. So you need to make that case. Um, well, it's capitalism. Yeah, right, right. That, that's that's why we're all here. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean uh, and that's just a fair way to yeah. say it. Unless like, you apply for a government grant. And, 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 well, right. And if you're, <laughs> well, if you find a fund that isn't focused on that, don't yeah, put your money in a different fund, right? Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's yeah. the whole. Now, on the flip side of that, actually, I'm going to back that up a little bit because I have actually put money into things that are not pure capitalism because I think it is important if you have the resources to support things that sure. are on the social side for or whatever. Sure. Like, you know, Lauren hosts a regular show yes. here. I've been a big financial supporter of that yeah. because I believe in Lauren. Yeah. You know, so right. some of that, it doesn't always have to be, ca but I will say she has focused on helping entrepreneurs. So right. it is still, by, the, by what do you call it? Transit or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's, hey, but it makes sense, but you can right. still find ways to do that. Yeah, that, absolutely. That are, all right. Yeah, so, so I really think that that when you, so to wrap my story up, um, my friend had been trying to raise, couldn't raise, couldn't raise, couldn't raise. I helped him refine his pitch and he went out and raised $1.8 million the next week. Yeah. And I did not help, I didn't, all I did was refine what he, he was still presenting himself because he's amazing. His business idea is amazing. Everything he's doing is amazing. He just wasn't packaging it up in a way that helped an investor recognize here's a mature, successful founder that's going to go crush it. And so he needed, he needed to deliver that message. And once he did, I, I he just did, it. I just did something similar Yeah. And it was a company that I had invested in that has actually grown to make the list of our top Kansas city startups. Congratulations. That will be fair. And it's not just because we invested in it, but yeah, we'll tell that story on another episode. But a lot of it was, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what you can accomplish in two minutes. So maybe you shouldn't talk more than that for your pitch. You know, like, and some of it, so what's really interesting is I, I, you talk about the second time founder or whatever now. So I have, um, I haven't ever needed to bring in outside capital. The only time I've ever had a quote That's investor really nice. is Watson, who we own full scale. Together. Right. Right. So, and that wasn't really the same thing. Now, some of that's just been my own choice because honestly, I'm maybe better off to not have a bunch of people telling me what to do. 
It is, uh, it's a big shift, but I've been involved in a ton of it and on the check side, the check writing side and, and so much of it. And, and you talk like my evolution and what and how and the presentation should occur is just it literally exponentially has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Right. Like, don't look, no one wants your 60 page business plan as right. an introduction. Make a cool one pager. You don't yeah. end the deal in the email. You want that person to talk to you. Like make it, if, if you are running the risk if everyone's trying to, Hey, how much text image charts, graphs, crap can we get on this slide? Maybe have less. Yes. I mean, I, I think, that, so I told you, I started out in, in the arts. So I was music and design. Oh, wait, 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 what, what, is, what do you play? So, well, I play a little bit of a lot. Um, I was a piano major in college for okay. a year. Um, and so it's a I've, I've perfect got a, run up to entrepreneurship. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, exactly. Totally. You know, actually, it's interesting. I have. And I actually could make a case for the fact that musician probably, engineer. There's a lot of correlation. Well, no, there. I think it's I, on many levels. Uh, it's one of those things that requires practice Discipline. and consistency, yeah. and also a lot of showing up and doing it. Uh, those things on the days that you might not particularly be feeling it. Oh yeah. Well, so 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 you, if you think about you know leading as a CEO or or being an entrepreneur, running a pitch deck. Um, so, so in my, my previous job, I stood up and, and I present. I was a keynote speaker at a big annual conference all the time. And that's very much standing up and delivering a presentation like that is no different than practicing a song on my guitar and standing right. up and playing it. I mean, it's the same thing. It's, well, it's that's, like that's the thing that is understanding under that, pressure. Yeah, the importance of reps. And uh, yeah. you know, I, so as a hobby, it's just to give you an idea of what my hobbies are like. I've been, I, over the last year, I've really been spending a fair amount of time studying the traits of genius. That's cool. And with that, and and yeah. I worked in the music industry as well. I know some very interesting people that have some that, by the way, seem to be more fascinated with me than them, you know? <laughs> which has been an interesting dynamic that I've gone through so. over like ten yeah. years. Because at first I was like, dude, and that, you know, then they call me for advice. I'm like, okay. Huh. But the thing I learned is you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the discipline to sit down and polish it. You're just going to be a kind of talented person. So if you really like the people that do even a genius, and this is a very misunderstood thing because people look at a talented person and they're like, that guy's a genius, that lady's a genius. But a a talented person can hit the target that everybody sees. And a genius hits the target no one even knew was there. And so with that, though, they go through this. And by the way, they uh, part of this is, I'm not saying I'm a genius, but... Um, part of it is trying to understand maybe on some levels, like what's wrong. Why was I made this way? Because yeah. if you have the bottle caps in the blender kind of feel like the sparklers yeah. and all that, um, if you really do experience in that, then you do get to step into that every now and then. I get into some weird supernatural states. Yeah, you get into sort I, of a flow where you're I mean, really it's crazy feeling it, it. But it's hard to reproduce. So I've, I've really been fascinated with musicians because you know, world-class guitarist has to get on stage. It's well, I like jam bands. So the, it's not the yeah. same four minute and four second song. Like, so right. those guys have to get up there and kind of improv it. Yeah. And, if, like jazz. and if they mess up in front of 9,000 people or, ten, or however many, <laughs> then they have to deal with all the chat room and all the hate online afterward. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe that guy ruined my show. He missed one note. I'm like, yeah. really? Is that what ruined your night? Yeah. You played like 4 million great notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, let's focus on those, but, but you know, but how do you get around it and, and stay with that? And by the way, there's one thing and I, I like sharing this because I think the thing that I've 
learn from that. You talk about the the experience or the, some people, I, I say I'm getting old on some days, but I'm actually just gained a lot of experience. But yeah. the, the two things that, that hamper and, and restrain genius is self-doubt and negativity. So self-doubt is, can even be you saying negative things because that's you expressing and self-doubt. Imposter syndrome and then, follows and, so many people. And then neg- and the, the negativity yeah. is people around you. So yeah. like, I, and I, okay, so for your first business, did someone along the way, I guarantee it happened, say, uh, this, there's no way this is going to work. Oh, of course. Like, a bunch and, and of people. Yeah, 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 of course. Like, like you're and, never going to pull this off. Yes. You're, you're, you're blah, 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 blah. So at, at the time I was going head to head and I am a, even more so in my new business. I'm going head to head against, you know, 900 pound gorillas in the industry. Yep. Like, like yep. it's not like Jira is like a startup and nope. I'm, you know, I'm going up against Atlassian. Um, they're a big company. I, I think there's some major flaws in their, their product design. I think also they have massive respect for what they've done. Obviously they're tremendously successful and done enormous good, but also there's, there's holes in their design. Um, and so I, yeah, I think there's always going to be people telling you what you're trying to do is too ambitious, too hard, too difficult, too expensive, whatever. And if you let that voice guide you, then you'll never do anything because there's always a reason you can't do something. And, and I think the mark of a good entrepreneur is somebody who just says, I'm just going to do it anyway. And the difference, I think, between successful entrepreneurs and those who don't, because I think pretty much the, the I'm going to do it anyway kind of makes you an entrepreneur. There's a lot of failed entrepreneurs. Probably the majority yeah. of entrepreneurs are failed entrepreneurs. I think the difference between those that are, that are good and those that aren't, I think the good ones, they, while they are convinced that, they, that the direction they want to go is, is valid and viable and they have their own conviction about that, they are also sober about the world around them and about it's the reality real, they see playing out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you have you have to learn to look at when it, like, like, it, like like your shit stinks too. And so oh, yeah. so so you got to look at your own ideas and say, I thought this was a great idea, but this is wrong. This is wrong. It's just I mean going back to the music analogy, like it's not like the first time you play a, a ripping guitar solo, you nail it. It takes a lot of practice. I mean, that's why most people quit a musical instrument because they're not good at it right away. Right. Like, dude, no one was. You gotta keep it up. No one Dave Matthews yeah. did not pick up a guitar and kill it. On no. day one, no. No. like that's not how it works. Now, now and, Carter Buford yeah. maybe did. I don't know. <laughs> Carter Buford, he's a drummer. There. Yeah, well, yeah, he's insane. But anyway, yeah, that the, guy um, is a machine. Yeah, he really yeah. is. He's incredible. Um, I digress. Um, the yeah, the whole but but yeah, the the like like there really is a lot to to having your own conviction, running towards your dream, but then also being recognizing that that whatever you come up with out of the gate is is, is almost surely wrong unless you're just very lucky. Well, the, and you will figure it well, out. Software. Got- the reality is, is you're going to end up throwing away all of your original code. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Well, that that MVP that you're like, oh, we so built good. it. Yeah, it's going to go in the trash at some point. Because yeah, there's well, a better well, way. There's you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, yeah, and you don't know what you don't know about your market. And so, um, you know, I, I've experienced this so many times in my career where I think I have a great idea. All the swans are white until I run into the black swan. Now yep. I've got a customer that does something I never envisioned. My data model is completely wrong or my, you know, my workflow is wrong, whatever. And so, I mean, experience helps in the sense that you start to recognize patterns where someone says something overly simplistic or overly specific to their business and you recognize that's specific and there's a generalization here. And, and, I, and I call those echoes. Yep. Yeah, so echoes come in a number of different ways. And sometimes like, well, with full scale, you know, Matt and I didn't start full scale intentionally. Um, he invested in Gigabook. We were going to help him build a dev team. Yep. We're going to mark it up a little bit. Gigabook 
burn rate, you know, and then we just kept hearing the echo of people saying, what do we need to do or what do I need to do to get some people over in your office in the Philippines? Cause I can't find what I need here. Yeah. And an entrepreneur, a good entrepreneur recognizes something like that and realizes that there's a problem needed to be solved. And then we, and then we went, you know, beta client one, beta client two, beta client three. And we realized, okay, this is something we can do. But we went into it saying, and both of us were second time founders at that point already and said, okay, we're only going to do this if we can provide a world, if we feel that we are going to rapidly progress to the point where we can, and and not even immediately, but everyone would like to provide world-class value on day one, but you got to learn a lot of stuff. You do. You do. If you think your brand new business is already brilliant, you're wrong. Or you're stubborn or whatever. Well, it's, now, it's kind of your point about, about the, the capital partners are investing in you, the founder. What they're really yeah. investing is, is, is... Is your ability to figure, to figure out. it out. Yes. You're going yes. to go in there. You're going to 100%. talk to the customers. Yes. And so, 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 so with DevStride, I'm experiencing this all over again. And it, it, it's both um, exhilarating, terrifying, <laughs> all those things at once, right? It's all the things. That's why I said congrats. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and I love it. I love yeah. it. And so... Um, so, you know, we had this idea for what we thought a project and portfolio management system should look like for a software team. But now we've got it in the hands of, of, of some real power users. And we're seeing a lot of, th- and, and you know and what they is tell so you something cool. different. Oh my God. What was so cool is, and, and I would recommend this for any founder too, especially when somebody going into like an enterprise software space. Um, we pulled together just a killer group of strategic advisors, which are like, you know, some early adopters and customers and experts and people like that in the field. And, and we do um, a monthly call with several groups of them where we spend two hours and we walk them through everything we did and we ask them for their feedback and their ideas and tell them all the things we're about to go do and ask for all that. I'm amazed that with my, I feel like I am one of the more um, qualified experts on this topic that there are. And, and I can talk about all the different project management frameworks. I can talk about all the processes, what's good and bad in an engineering team, why you shouldn't measure lines of code as productivity. I can talk about all these things really well and have lived them all. I still get on a strategic advisor call every week and somebody tells me something I never considered. Oh, that happens to me almost every time I record this podcast. Yeah. That's part of why I do it. Oh, that's got to be so much fun. I mean, well, it is. Cause, yeah. And that's it's also why we have the format that we have. Because, And you can confirm. I literally tell a guest before we hit record, this is not an interview. This is a conversation. Yeah. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. It might go one direction. It might go another. Yeah. We'll figure it out along the way. But that's the that's the the value that, I mean, I, I, so I dropped out of five colleges, but I may have graduated from startup hustle university at this point. <laughs> Cause like, honestly, I mean, it's at the, at the point they see you got to do things for, you know, thousands of hours before you yeah. get into it. And, you know, I want to go back to the, to the black swan comment and mm-hmm. realizing that maybe your idea isn't as great as you think it is, or maybe it's not going to gain the traction that you think hoped it would, or that there's some real flaws in, in whatever it is. Okay. So founders that fail, ignore all that and just keep plowing forward. And that is the equivalent of like you and I in a boat. And I'm like, dude, we're going really fast. And there is a giant rock or an Island right there. And we see it and we're like, yeah, but you know what? I bet if we go faster or just ignore the rocks in the Island, we'll be all right. And that's not the way it works. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like, like you can never, you should never ever. Uh, and this is this is a real balance. And and, and 
you have to be careful who you can give this advice to because some people are so racked with self-doubt. Yeah. You have to be careful how much, you know, because they're already doubting themselves to begin well, with. Just because you get one point of feedback yeah. doesn't mean right. you need to hurry up right. and change the business. I, but, I tend to be the opposite. when you start hearing the echo, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. when you start hearing the yes, echo, you need to pay listen attention. to your users, yeah. listen to your investors, listen to the, and by the way, if you're outside of those two, well, other than your people, your, your employees, Outside of that, I might not care as much about what you're saying because like, so the the people that matter, okay, if if you lose your users and you, or you lose your employees, then you're going to have a really hard time running a business that's bigger than just you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have told a founder, look, your business is not your code. Like your code is, is honestly, I know you don't think this and I'm a computer scientist for all the computer scientists listening. Your code can be replaced. It really can. Yeah. And what can't be replaced is the engine that produced the code, the engine that produced the culture, the engine that went out and found the customer, built the relationship, you know, well, all and, the of critical, that, and the critical thinking that, that existed, that saw, that spotted a problem we're solving. Yes, that's yeah, right. I mean, that's yeah. a big, yeah, the a critical big, thinking to, yeah. and to innovate around here, it. And well, here's learn. the thing. And, and, and once again, I hope you went to devstride.com. There's a link in the show notes for that. But if you just do the exact same thing that Jira and Atlassian do, you don't stand a chance. No. I mean, I can't, I can't, unless, unless you're Jira just, better than Jira. But this is my point. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like in, you know, I mean, I'm, that's the thing you got to yeah. figure out there's, but, but with that, the advantage you have, all right. So I often compare this to the game battleship. What's the hardest boat to sink, man? That little, two, <laughs> little, little, that little two peg yeah. sucker that like yeah. you can spend all day. Cause it, it, the big companies, when they have to make a change or, or make a move, it's like, Doing a U-turn, it's like turning around a battleship inside a swimming pool. So, so I'll, I'll give you an anecdotal. Well, well you can outmaneuver them. You can do something course. different, and you can find those couple little things. And 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 look, uh, if you're if okay, rule Matt DeCourcy's rule one of building software is is this annoying? And if the answer is anything <laughs> other than no, go back and fix it because right. you could, if there's if people you could have this like brilliant product that ninety nine percent kills it, but you will remember the one little annoying thing. And on many days, that'll make you literally stop using it. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it's true. And user UX is. So sometimes so that one little thing can be what. Well, I think there, there, there's another good book on, on the thing you just said um, called The Innovator's Dilemma. Have you ever read it before, Clayton Christensen? Um, I'm Clayton really, Christensen I'm really awesome. sounding like a non-read Oh no! I've, no, I just here. you're just talking about things I happen to read something about. So I um, have, I have. So to give you some perspective, I buy the books that. And by the way, the Innovator's Dilemma is by Clayton Christensen. Um, but yeah, I have. I buy all of the all of my guests that have been authors. I have their books, and I have a bunch cool. of other books. And yeah, and I, I honestly I haven't read any of them. Because I'm like audible or like, I mean, I listen, I, the only time I stand a chance on some of that is on that long plane ride to the Philippines. Yeah. And I'm usually just trying to fall asleep on that. So it's, I've, I'm, I'm a member of some service. I can't remember what it's called. I should be able to remember it right now. It'd be a good shout out to him. But um, there, there's a service I subscribe to that where you can type in any book and it gives you like it's, the 20 it's, minutes. It's a little app. I, yeah, know, a I, I have that for a while and I wasn't even doing that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the innovator's dilemma. It describes the exact problem you're talking about, and, and, and it describes why, and and why it is that as companies become larger and more sophisticated, they inherently become more um, less innovative. Y- y- yeah, less innovative, and, and and therefore more ripe for disruption. And my anecdotal story on this for my business is that um, at my former company, Brightcore, again big company, a lot of team members. 
um, we were in Atlassian shop and we had Jira. And there was a point in time as a CEO where I had two full-time Jira admins just keeping track of permissions yeah. and boards yep. and users yep. and all this. It's like Salesforce. It's like Salesforce. Oh, God, Salesforce. Like, I, we, dude, same thing. We tried to implement Salesforce and had to shut it dude, down. Dude, why yeah. is it so complex, yeah. man? God, it's horrible. I'm trying to simplify the sales process, not oh, man, I, I can, I can riff customize on, your shit. I can riff on how much I hate Salesforce. For oh, time. dude. I mean, <laughs> I mean, for real. Like, yeah. I mean, I'll take Trello for free. Yeah. And do more with it than I mess with with Salesforce. Yes. By the way, I want to point out user interface problems. So when I Googled the innovator's dilemma, I ended up, and by the way, this is not a plug for you, chegg.com, because it <laughs> says here that I can buy the book for $11.99 or I can rent it for $11.99. And then it has, <laughs> look, it's right there. It says best value is highlighted that I should rent the book for the same price I that can just own it for. That is that is a great example of losing your credibility that's, that's due to a bad user interface. <laughs> yeah, bad. Do better, Chegg. <laughs> Come on, Chegg, get with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, Sorry, that was bad. So I had two full-time Jira admins. Then all these projects were running in parallel, and I had to go to my board. because. Okay, so my, my, my last round um, at, at Brightcore, I raised about $60 million um, for the business. And of course, my investors, again, they're investing to get a return. They want a return on that money. So now I have to go out and activate these 43 teams to go build all this, this shit for my customers. And I go to start asking my product organization for reports. And they're like, well, I don't know. It doesn't give us that. And I'm like, like wait, wait, you're telling me I'm spending $250,000 a year in software licenses. I've got two full-time salaries admining this thing. I'm like, yeah, we're going to need some, we're going to need some, some uh, an ETL team to go pull all this out and generate these reports. So then we had to hire a couple of data engineers, and basically the, the it comes so down. So now to you're spending a half a million, half a million dollars, dollars a year, year yeah. to get one fucking report yeah. <laughs> for my board. <laughs> it's terrible, and so I was like, there, this is dumb, and it is dumb, and it's dumb because, and and again, this is not Atlassian's fault. Atlassian brilliant company has done an amazing job with a lot of stuff. They have fallen into the exact same cycle that every business, including me at DevStribe will fall into when I'm successful and I get bigger. We will fall into the same trap most likely, which is you'll end up with bigger and bigger and more sophisticated customers. And those big sophisticated customers ask for more and more and more features that are very specific to their enterprise. And it just makes the system untenable and unwieldy for everybody else. Well, and that's, that's where, I that's where you get at. into Salesforce. Yep. And you know, you, you now. Well, I'm in Kansas City. I used to live in Indianapolis. That's where I met my wife. That's where the million dollar bedroom was. But that's where Salesforce has a tower yeah. there. And you know, and like, yes, and I that's do. the thing. Like you have your own high rise yeah. and it's the biggest building in the city and all that. And, you know, it's just like, but that's the thing. That's the whole point is there's just like this, like, I mean, I open up Salesforce and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how do I do this? Do you know that in Salesforce, if you turn a lead into you, you no, I don't you can't know because I literally yeah. spent ten minutes in that thing, and I was like, no. The data model is incoherent. No, it really is. No. Uh, it's, it's it's just rough. But anyway, so so I believe there's a ton of opportunity for entrepreneurs in many many enterprise software segments where there's some established leader that's been out there for twenty years, thirty years, doing their thing, and they have have created so much feature bloat and, or even worse, they've been acquired two or three times by a private equity firm and maybe gobbled up by a bigger private equity firm. And now everything's running on margin and there's 45 million features and the licensing fees are absurd. 
and it, it's overweight and it's horrible to use and it's slow as shit. And all you want is something that does the thing you need it to do. So my whole career has been going in and looking at verticals. In this case, in DevStride's you know, universe, agile software teams. What does an agile software team need? What do they need the system to do? Let's go have it do that and only that and exactly that. And let's do that. And I'm not trying to be a system for, you know, uh, manufacturing or for travel companies. I, like it is, it is project portfolio management specifically for agile software teams. And, and so we just make all these decisions and all these workflows are just baked right in. So there's no admin, there's no like huge permissioning schemes and all to make it all function. We set the thing up in a couple of hours and everyone I show it to is like, oh my God, I love this. Um, but of course, over time, the, 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 the call of the bigger customer and the more features will all, always come from me too. And eventually you'll need to show investor return and all those things. And so, so there, there's a real challenge for, for in, you know, entrepreneurs and figuring out how do I build something compelling, lightweight, nimble, that then doesn't keep suck it, later. It that <laughs> yeah. how, do, how does 10 years from now me not suck? Well, I mean, I, I think you got a lot of good points and you'd probably go for another hour on that. You know, I mean, there's, I, I don't know, man, the, I, I got to say, like when I, if we got to kind of, as we kind of wind down the episode and I look at, you know, I much like I mentioned brevity with the pitch deck, like, I mean, man, I'm really just trying to simplify things. I want to take steps out of like everything I do anytime, every time. How can I reduce the number of steps? How can I, I don't know, man, clarity Less explanation. Cause, cause you know, they're, one of the simplest ways to compare the complexity of what you're doing. There's just a simple formula. I've talked about it a lot. You take the number of steps, you multiply it times yourself. That's your score. So if you let's, so let's start with let's six is an easy six times six, 36. Okay. Three times three is nine. It's actually four times harder to implement a six step process. And you have four times less likelihood of getting people to actually do it or complete it. And that's three steps. Like, but that's a, big, big, big difference in results. And that's, that's how important simplicity is. My pitch so what about, this, what about, right? what about a two-step process? Yeah, right. All right. So now, now that's nine times harder, yep. nine times harder for just a few more steps. And, and you get back into that, like back to the pitch deck so and hard. all of it, like the more, the more you give people to think about. And, and the thing that blows my mind and frustrates me on a remarkable number of days is just how bad people are following instructions. Oh yeah. I mean, you want to so there's a reason that Amazon has <laughs> rapidly moved to a world where you can just click one button and it comes to your door. We're all overloaded, man. Like, like yeah. we're hit by our phones and by every you know ad rolls following us around in every social platform. And I mean, like, like we're all overloaded, and it's it's true. On, on the risk thing in our um, in my DevStride pitch deck, one of the the big uh, money slides in there was um, I show the the aggregate probability of success and how it diminishes. How yeah. if in each handoff step, you only have a 2% risk? It's a similar thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a similar you thing. You do it over like 10 now, steps. I'm, so not, I'm not like going to get into the scientific, <laughs> scientific accuracy because yeah. honestly, I will, be, I will say that it's kind of like the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. I can probably shape that to be about of however course. I want you, you to push hear it. it. Yeah, right. but, but, for a, but a general, as a general metric, I mean, that is, it, I find that what I described in the, with the steps and all that really is true, like in so many things in life. Yeah. And, and it's like, I don't know, man, I just try to, I think if you, so I mentioned rule one. So uh, is this annoying rule two, I call, I call five or 75. 
can a five-year-old or a 75-year-old figure out how to use whatever you're building? Yeah. Oh, that's a great rule. I mean, because some of that's like, you know, that that's a good point because is it simple enough and intuitive enough? And I mean, I, I think that's the thing that that's, you know, I've, I, I've seen so much software and so many things finally move towards, you know, everything from e-commerce purchases, like yep. how many, how many sales did your e-commerce business miss because you don't have buy as a guest? Cause I don't want to fill out another form. Oh yeah. I don't want to fill out another form. All right. So here we are. We're, 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 we're approaching the landing pad here. I did a couple <laughs> things. So I, I, I give any founder the offer. I like to end my episodes with what I call the founders freestyle and get, and give you a mic and uh, you can do whatever you want with it. I got a couple things that, that I know that I want to point out about, about that came up today that I thought were pretty impactful. So, but with that, it's, your chance to you can say whatever you want, man. You can. We've had people sing, rap. And my, you might actually take us up on that. <laughs> no, Who knows? No, no. Yeah, you, we would need to have been sitting here drinking bourbon this whole time. So. Maybe. Yeah, we are not drinking bourbon here. No, of course not. Yet. Not. not yet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that man, there are so many things that that I have come to know um, for myself uh, in the world. And I'll, I'll say this, I'll use my time. I think probably a lot of people use this time to pitch their company. Um, yeah, Stride's cool. Maybe, it's yes awesome. No. You should use I it. Mean, a, a lot of times it's just shit. Yeah. They, they're like, wow, this went fast. Yeah. I forgot yeah. to say yeah. this. I was going to say, I, I want to go a different direction with it. Yeah. So, so obviously you should use DevStride if you're an agile dev. Please go use DevStride. It's awesome. Um, but actually, I think it's much more important to say if you're a founder, and you're out there, your job is hard. You are tired and you are worn out and you've got a million things against you. But I mean, both of us sitting here at this table uh, are proof that if you stick with it and you're nimble and you, you just are honest with yourself about what's working, what's not working, you keep innovating, like, like, like you'll make it to the other side. You just have to like, like stay with it. Don't let in those dark days don't, don't like, you know, when you lose a, a sale you thought you're going to get or somebody, you know, some employee's mad about something. Don't let that take your eye off the ball. Like, like, like it's up to you. Like you are the heart, you're the soul, you're the thing that keeps the company moving. Like, like, like keep your eye on that, be the soul, be the spirit of the company and just keep driving, drive, 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 always drive, wake up every morning, keep driving. And if there's one thing I'd tell you, it's just, just that, just keep at it. Well, it's amazing you said that <laughs> because actually what I had for my freestyle was, so for those of you that aren't aware, I recorded six podcasts in two days with some of our top Kansas city startups. And so I've been doing did three today. This is the third one. Now, earlier today, I was in here with Toby Rush, who's a very well-known founder here in Kansas city, had multiple successful exits. And you use the same word that he used earlier because he was talking about why it's important to have conviction. Conviction equals passion and some of that. And that's that keep driving. And that, that was literally what I, I wanted to bring in because I think that the, talk about what's your advice or input when you've done it a couple of times. Well, you'll see me and the videos we publish online or any of that. If you're not passionate about the business that you're thinking about starting and getting involved with and Phil's looking at me and shaking his head because <laughs> don't do it. Don't yeah, do no. it because you're going to quit. Yeah. You will hundred percent quit. It's harder than you think. It, you will quit. It, it's the passion and that conviction 
I usually describe it as passion more so than the word conviction. Cause when I think about conviction, I think about going to jail maybe, but <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that too. I'm trying to avoid quitting the startup or, or getting convicted. No, but that, but that passion is that driver. Cause you really do. I, I would, I give this advice to so many entrepreneurs, like you have to be able to, that's the thing that's going to drive you through the hard moments. Yeah. And it is, and it is like, it really is a yo-yo of, and, and dude, here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you have a bunch of money in the bank and you're going back and doing it again, cause you're going to go through the same thing. Can I, can I close that off with a yeah. personal story? Yeah, the, um, so, so, you know, I, I did exit my last company and um, one of the things that is kind of cool and a lot of people don't get to experience this is I had a 20 year career running a company and doing all the things we just talked about for the last little bit here. And, um, when you go to finally retire and step out, um, it's in some ways, it's kind of like going to your own funeral. People have an opportunity to tell you all the nice things that they never tell you day to day. And I got to have this really amazing folder in my email inbox that I still save. And I probably got 200 personal messages and stories of just like, you know, we hired people from all over the world out of insane situations, you know, help people go from, you know, I grew up, you know, out in rural Missouri somewhere. And then now I'm, you know, making $250,000 a year as a VP of engineering or whatever, you know, a lot of, and it was just this opportunity to feel amazing about what we had been able to accomplish over the time frame. And so on those hard days, like, like just haven't done it. It is so worth it. Oh yeah. At the end. Yeah. Like, like get, you, you're changing people's lives. Oh dude. I've told so people important. about like the misery and they're like, well, why do you do it? But it's that. And, and that's the thing is, and you know, the main, the, 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 so if you look at startup hustle and before we had even published an episode, I made a promo video that was kind of like a slow pan on a lemonade stand and talking about how a lot of us are entrepreneurs. I'm getting goosebumps again yeah. about entrepreneurs and like, you know, and, and how we feel that it's what we need to do, but your goal needs to be to build something bigger than you. Yeah. At least I recommend it. And, you know, that's not always what entrepreneurship looks like for a bunch of people. But, but with that, the feeling of getting it right and having, it's like, it's almost it's amazing. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it really is. And it's, I don't even, it's hard to describe. And, and the best thing that is a comparison is literally like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that fifth little thing yeah. is self-actualization. Yeah, what, what does that <laughs> actually mean? And that means that you're doing the things that you knew you were always capable of or could. Yeah. And it's a maximization. And that is, um, that is a very indescribable feeling. It really is. I mean, it, I mean, I, 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 and I'm sitting here like, what could I describe it as like now I'm going to maybe kill my credibility. Yes. I've tried drugs before. It wasn't, they weren't as good. <laughs> no, they weren't as good. No. That was the best thing. It's That's the, the best, best thing. thing that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a little open transparency. Yes. Being successful as an entrepreneur is way better than drugs. I'm ending this episode <laughs> on that one. I'm out. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
the world.